everybody, welcome back to Influx Live. Today, Bell and I sit down with Gabriel Mantaleo. Gabe's a fellow student of ours from Toronto, and this year he is the director of SCAD Startup. It's a week-long design sprint and the biggest student-led competition at our school. Tune in as we talk about ethical leadership, team management, and effective communication at all levels. So, Gabriel, hi. Hi. Thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, everybody. To start off, give a brief introduction to the people who don't know what startup is. Mm-hmm. So, Sketch Startup, as me right now, it's a week-long design challenge that is open to all Sketch students, no matter what's your major, what's your location. It's a all-inclusive design competition that is business-focused, and we want to bring in as much creativity as possible for different students to have fun, basically. And it's huge. Like I, People don't realize how, how big it is. Yeah, last year we have around 600 participants. So if we bring similar level of competition into it, it's huge compared to other student run events. That's crazy. So then what was the origin of Startup? How did it start and how did it get to, to the extent that it is known of today? So Sked Startup originally started as a design competition within the friend group in Sked Hong Kong, but then slowly and gr- slowly it grows to such a huge competition within Sked. It became um, an annual event that everyone just joined. So um, it's all sort of web student and it's always for student and by student. So that is the core principle when we're running Startup too, is to make sure that we keep that student-run theme and style to it so it feels close to every one of us. It feels like a closely hosted friend event, but we still want to make it professional. Right. And professional is, I would say, the key term that you've been rolling with. And not that this is my bias, because technically you are my boss at Startup. Um, Corey and I are both within Startup, but in more of like the operational divisions. And we've got to see some of the gears and and cogs behind how startup has has changed and i would say personally it has changed drastically in the way that we've we've had our team size the structure um can you can you go into detail about this this operational change that you, that mm-hmm. has conducted for startup 2024 one of the major change that our team as a whole are looking into is to drastically expanding um the people with, who are involved in running the show from last year, we had r- roughly have around 15 people as the core team. Now we're expanding to a 50-people team, which is a drastic change. Yeah. Exactly. So um, what we're trying to aim with this expansion is to basically further evenly distribute the workload so that more students can be involved and no one have to overwork. As this is a question that we have from many years, is that how do we make sure that people don't stress out? Because... At the end of the day, we are all still students. We have our educations that we need to take care of. We have our friends. And how do we keep a balance between this semi-professional work that we have as to run startup and also our education is very important. And that is one of our key objectives this year on balancing that out as a leader in this area. 
I say, so when I think like I can speak for both Bell and I, I think we both feel that everything is like very manageable at this point, um, like very clean and concise and like very well cut out for for all of us. So I think so far it's going it's going pretty well. For the most part, in hopes. But that's that's crazy. What do you think would be the, I guess, motivating factor that that is helping you with this resource organization? Is it and I essentially, this is a big role and an example of what student leadership looks like. Something that's at least what I think or what I, I guess Corey and I can maybe define is uh, student leadership in the in the aspect of a student, you know, not this is something that's prior to you going out into the work workforce. Uh-huh. Um, I think for Anyone to have a passion to run an event like this is definitely not an easy task. But the core of it is just to be passionate about something. Running Sketch Service eventually, just like running a startup, is just a group of people who is very passionate about an idea, who wants to put all their heart in into making this the best thing in the whole world, and just want to be the best in what they're doing and trying to achieve um, an outcome that is the collective goal of an organization. And to an extent, Sketch Startup is exactly doing that. We're duplicating that process. A lot of our team member this year is also past part participant. And we also look at the past, seeing what's not going well. There might be problem in mentorship or like general organization. Then we look into the process like, oh, a num actually love this event and they love to share the experience that we bring a nums in. And it all go back to passion is how much we care about what we're doing. As an art student, as a design student, we all love to show our work to others. We all have that instant love of feeling that when we show our final project to our friends and their eyes light up and you feel like you're the best person in the whole freaking world now and everyone love your work. Um, we want to continue that spirit of showing and loving your work and celebrating creativity within the student body. And that is where the passion sparks came from, right? And Startup is just a platform to provide that chance for students to self-explore their ability and to overcome that emotional barrier on starting something. Because a lot of time, um, passion is not just the only factor for success, no matter it's about student leadership or just doing an art project. But having the courage to go over and beyond and to overcome that barrier on, is that actually a thing that I want to do? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when we're at Every start of the quarter, especially in the UX department, we have to pick a project to start with. Mm-hmm. And the whole team be like, oh no, what are we going to do? Like this project looks kind of good, and but then it doesn't work in certain ways. Um, it's just to overcome that barrier and when we start putting work to it and start showing and putting our thought and passion into one project, then it shines. So. That's a good way to put it. Definitely. So, and that's, it's hard though, too, to, to inspire students who are aware their students are or feel like they're in this lesser role, but not, not in a negative sense, but they, they see themselves as, I'm just a student. How do I have this, you know, moment to suddenly be this entrepreneurial expert and then start an entire startup with all business factors engaged, everything ready, minimal viable product set and just ready for launch. How are you... And like taking to not only just inspire students, like you're mentioning, but alleviating those fears. 
That is a very interesting thought process that we have to go through as a student to overcome those challenges. Essentially, it boils down to a few points. The first of all is about team collaboration. Idea can come from one individual, but then a good idea boils down to having a whole team to grind through the idea space, doing the research, and to precisely identify the problem space and to basically pinpoint what exactly the problem is, right? And startup is a fast process, it's seven weeks, but it, the skill it boils down to is something that we can use every day, right? And I feel like that necessary process is what makes us as student leaders very important because not only we're looking into the process on how people make stuff, but we're also leveraging their creativity and their skill set and to provide necessary tools and such as workshop or software or guidelines to help them build whatever they want. And that also bring it down to management on no matter it's a small project like what you're doing in your class or running an organization like startup or even like SCAT. What it boils down is providing the right tools and the right platform for people to express and to identify problems. Um, that is what I feel like it's the most important that a lot of time when we're talking about leadership, um, that got ignored a lot of time because we we're just chasing about KPIs, um, like key performance indicators and also like objective, but we forgot what power us as an organization as a whole, as a team as a whole, we forgot that we have an objective. That objective is not just a random number on a spreadsheet, but a collective goal that we want to make something great and make an impact on the student body or mm -hmm. to the people around us or even to the world, right? I think like going back to, you know, everyone like, yes, there is like a structure and a team and everything, but it really boils down to like the passion that we all have to kind of, you know, create solutions for, for real problems that people have. I think something I'm really proud of that Startup is doing this year is the network we're building, um, you know, between like mentors, um, alumni, judges and everything, um, our Startup buddy list, how, how expansive our network is. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about, you know, the importance of building a network and, and kind of what you think, how beneficial, how it's going to be beneficial for Startup as, as a organization. For sure. I do want to start with the perspective on a student. Um, a lot of times, get students forgot how powerful they are. They are literally the one who keep this light on and keep the AC on here. Um, they forgot how much power they can leverage within this university. They forgot how much resource is available. A lot of time when we are working in a small cell, a small group, we forgot and ignore the surrounding of what's happening. We forgot there's so much resource within this school that support us in doing stuff. Um, bring back to the question. Those network within SCAD, those department like SCADAMP, SCAD Pro, and all those partners that support us is what make us successful. And it helped us providing all the important support system that we need to build out this event and pushing it into a different level. And a lot of the time, it just boils to, did you reach out to the right person at the right time? And not necessarily, it's something that you can just reach on one big step, right? You're not going to speak with the president of the school tomorrow, but building that connection small step at a time, connecting with important department and then attacking it from different angles and building that network to back you up as your ideas foster and grow. And at the end, you're proposing a grand new idea that is bulletproof basically and to the higher ups. And they feel like you consider what they're thinking mm -hmm. and you want to grow with them with the school or with 
the bigger organization that you're aligning with, it's very important when we're trying to networking. Sometimes I don't really like the word networking because it feels like we're doing stuff for a goal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but um, I would say like, instead of considering it as networking, it's finding friends and building a support network for you. Mm-hmm. That is the goal of networking, right? Is to find someone who share the same idea and same passion as you. It all boils down to passion and showing the passion to your surrounding people. That's very interesting, <laughs> but also very difficult. I, I mean, I could totally say that if if we all had coffee, but like we had to go downstairs because we were just too afraid of, of mingling upstairs. And that just goes without saying, sometimes networking or just talking to people higher up or that feels like there's a hierarchy can be stressful. Um, and even, and that can be external. So the external resources, like the network that we have at CERN up, but even internal sometimes too. Um, I'm kind of going down this rabbit hole on this hierarchy question. I'm interested in how hierarchy is balanced right now in startup. How, because you talk about essentially team management, team um, collaboration, and then there's, of course, hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Setting up a hierarchy, it's always a difficult question. Like, at the end, we're part of the human society. A hierarchy is a natural process that occurs when there is a network of people and a group of people that are doing something. Um, it's impossible to avoid. But setting up a proper hierarchy and a structure to report is very important to my understanding on how to make sure that an organization is successful. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm taking business class early on in my high school, one of the key concepts is to avoid um, double reporting, basically. It's like you only report to one person at a time. You don't go across. You don't go beyond unless something urgent happens. Um, for a student organization, it's really hard. Because a lot of time we will have two co-directors, and this year is me and Gracie, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and making sure that how we set up boundary between our level and set up the proper protocol on handling conflicts are very important. At the end, like a lot of founders or co-directors maybe are tightly mended together and they're tightly working close together, but you need to find a way to make sure that you guys are not overstepping each other's boundary and you guys are not the source of the conflict from the higher up. Because if you don't provide the right direction to those below you, there's no way this is going anywhere. And a lot of times these can be seen in group project. Everyone has experienced it. The team leads are fighting themselves and there's no clear directions, right? And that is something that as an organization, no matter it's in startup or as a team in no matter where we are, we should try to avoid um, at the end, you're part of an organization because you agree on their goal, right? That might be something that it's too grand nearer to talk about. Like, oh, maybe I join a company just to get paid, right? Um, but at the end, you go to a company because you feel like you belong somewhere or you align with the failure or what they're trying to do. For me, I don't agree that we should just work because for money, but I feel like we should work to achieve impact and that is something that often got ignored when we are talking about hierarchies like, oh, I'm just a small in a small position within an organization. I can't create much impact. But we don't realize that those things that we contribute actually make up something huge and it could change everyone's life. That is oftentimes a story that I hear from past startup participants. 
is that they don't realize how much impact a project like startup, a week-long challenge, can have on their professional skills because of their connection for with the mentor. They got a job in Apple. Like, can you imagine working for Apple? And I feel like no. those time exactly. <laughs> no. It's gonna be a lot of work, I'm pretty sure. But um, respecting hierarchy and also aligning yourself with the hierarchy is very important at this sense, as it not only allow you to success, it also allow the whole organization to success. And one important factor to make sure that that is successful is how do we set up a proper hierarchy within a team in this scale? Most of the time as students, we only work with a team of five to like 15 maybe, like clubs will be 15 to 20-ish people, um, a group within UX especially is like five people maximum. Um, 50 people is definitely a, a 10 times scaling up, right? So um, there's a lot of challenge on how we set up the hierarchy. We have to consider like personal ego, um, that is a huge conversation that we have internally on how do we position leaders. Um, a lot of SCAD students are great leaders, but oftentimes they will have other consideration that put onto them, like personal egos, um, actual skill set, um, coordination, communications. Um, those are all factors that we consider when we put people together. Because sometimes people can be good in one spot, but that might not be their maximum potential. We want to make sure that when we are putting people in a space, we make sure that the people they are collaborating is compatible. And it's also a place where they can maximize their skill set. Or if they are a very good person in like very real around that we want to see if there's anything that we can help them improve. There's oftentimes a lack of um, acknowledgement on how important HR as a function is in the organization. Oh, I have this meeting with HR in two hours. I don't want to talk with them, right? Um, but if you've done it properly, HR is the department to help you grow personally and make sure that you develop the skill set you need to go further. Because you, you will stay with the organization for so long. Not everyone is going to be on the Guinness World Record for working for the same company for 95 years, right? Oh, imagine working for the same company starting from five years old. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> a long time, like... Especially with our generation, most of us is just going to stay with a company for two years. Mm. And recognizing that with the hierarchy of the organization, um, we would, you should try to maximize what you can gain from the organization while understanding what you need is very important. Going back to what you said about, you know, kind of like figuring out where to place people in like a hierarchical, I can't say that word, hierarchical structure, you were talking about like egos and something that like I really admire about you is, yes, you were the director. Yes, you were like, you know, like the boss man, but you were all, you're also like very humble and grounded and, um, like you never like raise your voice at people or like cut people off. Like you always like people kind of get like their two cents in. So um, like kind of going off that, um, like I think that's a very successful leadership. So how do you like measure like success in or, you know, shortcomings or whatever in like an organization like this? How do you like, I guess, really kind of quantify or, you know, take account to things that are going well, things that are going well. And then kind of what do you do after that to make improvements or make sure the good stuff like keeps going. Well, first, thank you for the compliment. <laughs> I feel like for a grounded leadership, 
the most important factor is to listen. Um, I have that fanatic energy that I, oftentimes I'm trying to address myself. Like I'm not very excited about stuff that people make. Um, but oftentimes that might not be addressed properly sometimes. Um, mm. And people start thinking out like, are you disrespecting me? So um, leadership is basically to listen and to make a decision on with all those factors that you listen from, like make a better choice and make a proper choice on growing. Um, but when we're talking about on the matter of like being a leader in that sense, um, one of the most challenging things to balance is to make sure that people recognize that you have the power to make a decision. Um, being humble is definitely a great thing as a leader that, to have as a huge quality that every leader should have. Um, we can just talk about this for like three hours about like being humble in leadership. There's a lot of examples that things go wrong because someone's ego just go over. Mm-hmm. Um, some famous company, right? We don't talk about them, but um, you can see how a personal ego uh, just to do something can go totally sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, the matter of fact for a leader to align them is that your employee also align themselves with the organization. A leader should align themselves with their employee too. You are trying to achieve something professionally. It's totally fine. Just everyone have their own small ego inside and they also want to make great things. But how do we align our ego and our goal as a human being with our objective in the organization? It's very different. Um, oftentimes we doesn't acknowledge that fact that, oh, I just want to be a red dot award designer, right? Like I just want to have all the certificate at my back wall, but then there's more to just getting those certificates, right? It's the journey, it's the friend, it's the relationship that you build in those sense that matters. And as a leader, when we're trying to establish those goal and objective, um, it's really important just not just to acknowledge that we want to be recognized by some higher authority or some one in third party, but to get the recognition from internal that we are setting up goals that is achievable and we go, we pay the credit where credit is due. That is very important when we are running an organization. And one small like behavior that I always do um, when we're trying to acknowledge someone's work is to address it by them first name, such as like, oh, Belle, you did wonderful um, in this specific task. Um, when there's an error, we don't address it personally because an error was slipped through many layers mm-hmm. when it became an error. So we address it and as an organization. We saw that this thing does not go well. Um, let's work together and provide a solution on how we can address this and make sure it doesn't happen next time. Um, taking error into the organization and putting um, commitments and confidence into personal space is very efficient in um, grounding your organization as you're not just making sure that one person looks good and one person looks bad. We don't play the good cop, bad cop game here. But effectively, you're making sure that the entire organization understand what is a good behavior and what we're collectively doing wrong to avoid that next time, right? Hey, of course. I like the, you know, praise personally and then like resolve conflict kind of as a whole because then it's like, if yeah, so it is one person maybe causing an issue or whatever, but then it like prevents like the whole brood from like hopefully that issue coming up in one. I like that. True. So 
then in those situations, let's say worst comes to worst, what happens when something goes wrong? If a team structure isn't working, if people aren't reporting to the right people, if, if those patterns start occurring, what does the higher management organization start doing as damage mitigation or in, in retaliation? The first thing we need to recognize is that we are all humans. Human does make error. Unless we got replaced by AI tomorrow, then that's another case. Um, that way you will have chat GB to surface you in this podcast, right? Uh, <laughs> replace me. Please replace me. I'm done here. <laughs> um, but when we're trying to recognize a problem within an organization structure, the most important thing is to understand how that conflict became a thing. Is it because someone just doesn't want to let go? Like they hold pride to the joy of making this thing and they just simply doesn't want to let go because they are so proud of what they make? Or is it simply because of two person doesn't match their personality? If the case is that simple, it's just a mismatch of personality, that's an easy fix. So we just need to switch things around and bring them a new pair, right? But then a lot of time it might came to a very simple answer is the reporting structure. When conflicts happen, Usually it's just people doesn't follow the proper reporting structure. Oh, that team manager changed my idea on not using my green color and use this ugly neon color instead. I hate them. Um, this is very simple, right? That's a very like everyday example that we can see within a school setting. It's like, oh, the other team member changed the color, they changed the font, and the kerning is not consistent. Um, it's just a matter of like who makes the decision on what. And as an organization, we respect the decision chain. Conflict happen when there is a mismatch and mistrust within the decision, decision chain. And the simplest method is to make sure that a proper reporting structure is um, committed and it's trust within the team. It's just to make sure that when a decision is made, your team acknowledge that decision and acknowledge the factors that makes that decision. So the transparency factor is very important in an organization. Let your team know why a thing it's not good when you want to make a decision. Like, for example, we have two colors. We can argue that one color looks so much better than the other because of personal preference, but we can also talk about accessibilities. Oh, contrast ratio, this color doesn't make as much contrast. We can do testing to prove that that's not the right color, right? Oh, we can say this color is so much better in traffic for 50% better, right? Um, Provide evidence and transparency to the team where when you make a decision. That is very important to make sure that those conflicts never occur again. But it always gonna be conflicts in it within a team. We just need to address them in a transparent and confident way. Thank you. This was a very intellectual like conversation and a great insight into the new year structure of startup 2024 i'm looking forward to it we're so excited it is going by it's going by so fast and we're like i feel like we're constantly like closing this chapter and moving on to the next chapter and the book is going to be very interesting and it's going to be a good story it's definitely going faster than usual because with our 50 people team this year um a lot of stuff can be started earlier and i love to see great progress from how the student makes stuff and it's wonderful to be part of this absolutely is there any resources that you want to advertise here on this podcast that people can, if they're interested in learning more about startup, they can look for? Definitely. Right now, we are starting our newsletter from startup. Um, go to LinkedIn and search for Sketch Startup to follow us on LinkedIn. Um, 
the newsletter is basically from my perspective as a co-director on how we run this organization. So if you want to grow more on how to become a student leader, highly recommend to read it. And so to examine our journey, even if I, I always did something good and wrong too, like I'm also a person. So mm -hmm. um, let me know if I did something wrong, right? Um, comment on it, say, Gabe, hey, why do you do this to us, right? Um, <laughs> love the feedback always because that's what makes us grow personally and grow in the organization. So definitely follow us on LinkedIn and of course, Instagram and so as Facebook too. We also share those other platforms. Um, if you're a past startup participant, reach out to us. We would love to feature a project on upcoming posts and showing your passion about this event is very important to us and very important for the success for you too, because we can highlight your projects and see how you grow personally. It just makes sure that we are taking care of good care of our participants. Cool. Well, thank you, Gabe. We both enjoyed talking to you very much. And we hope to hear more from you soon. We'll see you. <laughs> thank you, Gabe. Thank you for listening to this conversation with Gabriel Natalia. As we discussed a lot about teamwork, team building, and team management, I hope you're able to apply some of the principles and ways of thought we discussed to your own future team projects. But anyways, check the links in the show notes if you want to keep up with Startup 2024. And I wish you guys a great summer break, and we look forward to seeing everybody shortly. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode, and we want to give a quick shout out to our new sound designer and editor, Ethan Moreau. You can check out his Instagram in the description of this episode. We're really happy to have him on the team. As always, you can check out previous and future Influx episodes wherever you listen to podcasts.